Hello and welcome to episode 214 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva, and we will have preseason football in just one week. Training camp is underway across the league. It is officially time to get serious. Last week, we did a player-by-player breakdown of round one. Got a lot of positive feedback on that. So today, we'll be back to do a player-by-player breakdown of round two. Evan, happy training camp. How's it going? Yeah, seven days away from the Hall of Fame game. Um, Shit's starting to get real. So let's, let's dive in. Yeah, and just real quickly on training camp, I mean, there's actual news coming out. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of fluff in training camp, but Michael Carter opening with the ones I thought was at least notable for the Jets. And we'll talk about all our training camp, early training camp takeaways next week for sure. Before we get into today's show, I want to remind everyone of two things. First, if you are into or want to get into the great game of preseason DFS, our content has launched. Our package is way too cheap, in my opinion, for how much work will go into this, but so be it. You have not lived until you've sweated a goal line touch from Tony Brooks James with a Kia on the line, let me tell you. Also, I wanted to remind everyone this show is indeed brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Best way to get ready for your season-long draft and for DFS season is to be in the real money best ball streets. Underdog for sure has the best best ball platform. If you have our draft kit, you get free money on Underdog. Please take it from them. Go to the site, find the instructions. It's under the best ball tab on how to claim your free money. Okay, round two. Now, of course, ADP's average draft position position is shifting fast. We went over all the Packers stuff last episode. We went over all the Camara stuff and some of the Barkley stuff last episode as well. So all that stuff is going to be affecting ADPs quickly. For this exercise, we are going to use current underdog ADP. And I will note when I think uh, ADP will be shifting. But we will start with the 13th ADP. And I have 13th player in ADP on underdog right now is Nick Chubb, 13th. Silva has Nick Chubb 18th. I have him 17th. We are below market on Nick Chubb. I mean, We've talked about this, Evan. Nick Chubb literally needs to average six yards a carry and needs to have like a league high TD rate to pay this off. He was only at 15.8 carries per game last year, only at 16 targets in 12 games. And I get the bull case for Nick Chubb, the top three offensive line, I think for sure. Elite defense. This team's going to score a ton of touchdowns. But you get into this outlier thing, man, like, God, he needs to be a massive, massive outlier. And maybe he is, but it's not something I'm willing to bet on. So again, I have him 17th. You have him 18th. His ADP is 13th. Talk to the people a little bit about Nick Chubb. Yeah, I think that Nick Chubb is the perfect example of a dude that is awesome in real life football and not quite as good in fantasy football. And that can kind of confuse people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that he's arguably the best pure rusher uh, in the NFL. Last year, he led the league in yards after contact per rushing attempt. He was uh, third in yards per carry. He was first in PFF's elusive rating metric by a massive margin over the number two guy. Um, his receiving usage is just so, so limited. Uh, in, in, the, in his first year under Kevin Stefanski, Nick Chubb drew two targets or fewer in 10 of his 12 regular season games and one or fewer in eight of his 12 regular season games. He only went over 20 carries in one game all year. So despite elite individual talent in a really strong rushing environment behind a great offensive line that is returning, I believe all five starters, Mm -hmm. he just does not belong in the first round of PPR drafts. 
Yeah, exactly. And even this is half PPR and underdog where he has a 13 ADP and he's a pretty easy fade for me there. We get into issues with the projections because Nick Chubb never projects well. Like a guy who only gets 16 carries and zero targets is never going to project well. He can break a slate in DFS though. I mean, he can have huge runs and have a lot of touchdowns. So it's just something to be aware of as we move to DFS season with medium projections and with outliers like Nick Chubb can be. I've had it shoved down my throat plenty of times by Derrick Henry, and I'm sure there'll be times this year where Nick Chubb will shove it down my throat in DFS as well. But betting on him at 13th overall, I think is a bad bet. Yeah, and you know it's in the Browns' best interest to, to limit him to some extent because they have a former uh, NFL rushing leader on their roster in Kareem Hunt. You know they um, and they they are a, a true Super Bowl contender this year. So I think that they're going to continue to sort of cap his usage. Um, and that's good for the team, and it's not good in fantasy. Let's move to the 14th player in ADP on underdog. That is DeAndre Hopkins. You have him 16th. I have him 14th. We've talked a lot about DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he is the fourth wide receiver off the board for me behind Tyreek, behind Devontae Adams, behind Diggs. I'm sorry, fifth. Tyreek, Devontae Adams, Steph Diggs, Calvin Ridley, then DeAndre Hopkins for me. And there's absolutely no question that I prefer Calvin Ridley over DeAndre Hopkins this year. I mean, just the way they're used. DeAndre Hopkins last year, 58th in average depth of target. Calvin Ridley was eighth in average depth of target. And target share, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of two wide receiver sets for Atlanta this year as they go with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts, Gage and Ridley. The target share for Calvin Ridley is going to be higher, I think, than it is for DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals are gonna be in four wide receiver sets a ton. So to me, the ceiling on Ridley is 30, 31% of the targets, which is absolutely massive. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins can get there. No question for me, Ridley, who has a 15th ADP, should be going ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. You have Ridley ahead of DeAndre Hopkins as well. We've spent a lot of time talking about these two guys already. Don't want to spend a lot of time here. But yeah, this receiver tier, I have no problem with it at all. I just prefer Ridley over Hopkins. Yeah, and he's DeAndre Hopkins still firmly in his prime. Uh, he just turned 29 in June, I, you know, you've kind of given Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, hell over, over the past couple of years. Uh, but I do think that the way that he structured the offense as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray last year was kind of smart. He, he, you know, there was very little practice time before the year. DeAndre Hopkins actually missed most of training camp with a hamstring injury. But what, what Cliff Kingsbury did was he simplified DeAndre Hopkins route tree. It was almost all comebacks and hitches. Yeah. Um, and, and he went on to finish second among NFL wide receivers and targets, tied for second in catches, second in receiving yards. I think that his route tree might expand a little bit this year. Uh, and to me, he is firmly in the first tier, but he is at the back end of the first tier among wide receivers. I mean, I know you want to defend Cliff Kingsbury when you're throwing bubble screens to Larry Fitzgerald six and seven times game. It's just not going to work. And DeAndre Hopkins was never going down the field. It was not. It was a horizontal raid. And Kyler, I mean, credit to Kyler. Without Kyler, they would have been absolutely atrocious. But yeah, I mean, I hear you that it wasn't a great spot overall, but I can't let you slide on the Cliff Kingsbury did a good job. I can't. I won't. I mean, I didn't mean to say that Cliff Kingsbury did a great job of coaching last year, but as it pertains to DeAndre Hopkins in particular, mm -hmm. uh, it, at least it was fantasy friendly. It was fantasy friendly, PPR yeah. friendly usage. Okay, let's skip over Calvin Ridley. We've talked a ton about him. I just outlined why I have him much, much higher. I have him 11th. You have Calvin Ridley 12th. His ADP is 15th. Let's go to the 16th overall player who we've also spent a bunch of time on already. That's Aaron Jones. 
and you have Aaron Jones sixth now, I have him eighth. Go back to the last pod to listen more on this. But my point is more, I still think there's going to be a big window here where Aaron Jones is undervalued as people digest the Aaron Rodgers news. I actually think both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are undervalued right now. And honestly, I don't understand why the consensus is Alvin Kamara over Aaron Jones. I really don't. They have roughly the same role. They're both going to lose work. One to AJ Dillon, one to Latavius Murray, but one has Aaron Rodgers. Another one has some mix of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. I mean, the ADP right now is Alvin Kamara 4.2, Aaron Jones 16.1. I understand Aaron Jones ADP is lagged a little bit. He's probably more going to go closer to the first round going forward. I still think there's room to profit on Aaron Jones now in these drafts that are going on right now as people digest the Aaron uh, Rodgers developments. So yeah, I mean, sixth overall for you on Aaron Jones. We talked about it some yesterday. Anything else you want to say about Aaron Jones? No, I I think that I'm going to make that move up. I think I'm going to make that move from from Aaron Jones to move ahead of Alvin Kamara, and that would place him fifth overall. Um, Again, people are going to talk a lot about how A.J. Dillon could threaten the goal line role for Aaron Jones, but they were the Packers last year were feeding him red zone targets. You know, I mean, they I think they really value him as a scoring position asset. He's so versatile. He can run, you know, wide receiver routes. I mean, they will line him up on the outside and have him like run run end zone fades. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of, of that notion that A.J. Dillon is just going to come in and steal a ton of touchdowns from Aaron Jones. I think that Aaron Jones had 30 touchdowns over the past two years with an expanded receiving role this year, minus Jamal Williams it's a bullish year for, for Aaron Jones. Yeah. And I mean, I think people underrate what Aaron Jones can do as a receiver. Awesome. Awesome receiver. 63 targets in 14 games last year with Jamal Williams stealing a lot of the past time work and with Jamal Williams stealing full series at a time. Um, by the way, Packers news, Randall Cobb thing is official as of this morning. I assume you think that means Amari Rogers is just completely dusted now. I don't want to say that so definitively, but uh, I think that Randall Cobb is going to come in and be the Packers slot receiver immediately, and he belongs in the top 150, and I'll be putting him in there later today. Okay, stay tuned for more changes to Silva's top 150. All right, now it starts to get interesting. 17th overall on underdog is Antonio Gibson. You have him 23rd. I have him 18th. My bet on Antonio Gibson is twofold. First, I want to bet on the Washington football team. I bet on them to win the division. I bet on them over eight wins. I think they will have a top two to three defense, maybe top one. I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel additions, the offense is going to be stabilized. And then the second part of it is Gibson, dude was a college wide receiver who wasn't even used in the pass game last year. Showed he can play at the goal line. Showed he can play between the tackles. Now all they got to do is throw him the ball, which Ryan Fitzpatrick can do. And that's what he did in college anyways. So we thought he could do that. So to me, on such a team, on a team I want to be high on with the kind of player Antonio Gibson is, young, ascending, running back, with the rushing role, expanding to the pass game role, it's totally wheels up. You're a little bit lower on him than market, a little bit lower on him than I am. Not by a lot. You have him 23rd. Are you down on Antonio Gibson? No. Do you want to avoid him or tell the people what you're thinking about Antonio no, he's Gibson? He's moving up uh, right after we're done with this podcast. He's going to move um, into the top 15 range. Um, He's going to move ahead of Nick Chubb. He's going to move ahead of some of these wide receivers, potentially ahead of Joe Mixon, uh, who right now I have number 15 overall. 
Uh, if you want to hear a great podcast discussing Antonio Gibson, check out Establish the Edge with Pat Corain and Michael Leone. They do a great job of breaking down the upside of Antonio Gibson. If we can get this all to come together, his college receiving dominance with his, I mean, he was shot out of a cannon uh, as a rusher, as a, and they use him as an early down grinder in year one. Now, J.D. McKissick is returning, mm -hmm. and that is a concern, sort of like Naheem Hines is a concern for Jonathan Taylor. Um, but, man, I mean, if we can get this all to come together and the game script should be positive for Antonio Gibson uh, because their defense, I mean, they have a chance to have the best defense in the league. So Antonio Gibson is, is going to move into the top 15 range for me. Uh, and, you know, again, I would really encourage people to listen to that Establish the, the Edge episode. It's awesome. All right. We're making top 150 changes as we speak. You mentioned Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has the 18th average draft position on underdog right now. You have him 15th ahead of market. I have him 16th. I mean, case for Joe Mixon to me is easy. Total freak talent in a very fast offense and a past centric offense, but Gio Bernard is gone. And that's really the big thing. I mean, Gio Bernard, although he wasn't touching the ball a ton, he was playing a ton of snaps. The rhetoric from the Bengals coaches was, hey, we want Joe Mixon to be out there on all three downs going forward. And I get that you can poke holes in the offensive line. And Evan and Thorne are going to poke massive holes in the offensive line. But man, the talent and the role for Mixon is on par with the guys going in the first round. You can get him in the middle of round two. And I know that, you know, Evan said Joe Mixon hasn't done it. I mean, he hasn't gone off, but he's had two 1,100-yard seasons in four years. He averaged four targets per game in 2018. He hasn't gone off yet, but he's shown he can at least do it, I think. So I like Joe Mixon, man, and I think it's really close between him and Antonio Gibson. Talk to the people about your take on Mixon right now. Even with Giovanni Bernard on the Bengals last year, in weeks one through six, Joe Mixon was on pace for 1,509 total yards, 56 catches, 11 all-purpose touchdowns. Over his last 16 appearances, Joe Mixon has accounted for uh, 1,641 yards and 11 touchdowns. He is absolutely a first-round talent. Um he is only uh, age 25 at this point. And, you know, yet because he hasn't really done it for a full season, he's had like a great second half of a season where he led the NFL in rushing uh, in 2019 uh, over the, the, the second half of the year. Um, and he's absolutely done it in spurts. He has not put it together to be, a, you know, a true like top five, top you know, top six, top seven fantasy back for a full season. We know that that is in, within his range of potential outcomes, however, and we like the Bengals offense. We love that Joe Burrow uh, was able to avoid the active PUP to begin training camp. We love this three receiver set. They're going to be able to spread the field and create space on offense. Um, he, he's an exciting second round pick. One thing I would say is that I know everybody says try to take a running back in the first round, but there's running backs in the second round. Let's say you start with Tyreek or Devontae Adams or Diggs or Ridley. And then the second round, you can get Mixon or Gibson or Najee Harris, who we'll talk about in a second, or Austin Eckler sometimes slips in the second round. Like there's options to go wide receiver in round one and running back in round two. And I don't think I feel that much worse about these guys, Aaron Jones, Gibson, Mixon, Najee, the guys like this versus the round one running back. So I think it's at least at least the back end round one running back. So it's it's at least something to think about at your draft. 19th overall, DK Metcalf, total freak 
DK Metcalf, you have him 21st overall. I have him 19th overall. I think there's a case to be made that the Shane Waldron thing is going to be really, really good for the Seahawks. I know Thorman thinks they're going to play much faster this year, which would be good. And just a more balanced route tree out of DK Metcalf. You know, I know people, that's been the knock on him since the combine. He can't do anything except for run straight up the field. Well, I will see. I think they're going to try to ask him to do more. And so just a freak talent in a concentrated offense with the hyper, hyper, hyper efficient Russell Wilson. It's hard for me to see it going bad for DK Metcalf this year. I'm in line with ADP right at 19th overall. What do you think about DK Metcalf this year? Yeah, through about 10, 12 weeks last year, he was the clear favorite to lead the NFL in receiving yards. And then Seattle kind of took the air out of the ball down the stretch. Um, DK Metcalf did come back to explode uh, in the, uh, the the Seahawks playoff loss to the Rams. He went five for 96 and two touchdowns. Uh, he is you know, locked into a, a, a huge role in a narrow target distribution passing game. Um, I, and we have, I don't think we've seen the best of DK Metcalf yet. So I think he checks almost every box as a priority second round uh, fantasy draft target this year. Yeah, love it. Okay. 20th overall is our first tight end, and that is Darren Waller. I think you were early on this. You had Waller over Kittle from the jump. The industry has caught up to it now. Now Waller is going well ahead of, well, not well ahead. He's going four to five spots ahead of George Kittle. I have Darren Waller 23rd. You have him 25th. Again, these are underdog ADPs. I think the tight end, elite tight ends are worth a little bit more in best ball than they are in managed leagues. But yeah, I mean, it's so obvious that Derek Carr does not do a lot of things well. One thing he does well is throw the ball in the middle of the field to Darren Waller. And they have done very little to add much around him. I think Henry Ruggs will be better. I don't think that John Brown's any real upgrade on Nelson Aguilar at this point. So to me, it's hard to see Darren Waller not having another 80, 90, 100 catch season. You've been on Waller above Kittle the whole time. Talk to the people about Waller. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, as you kind of mentioned, just such a great stylistic fit with the way that Derek Carr delivers the football, where he, where Derek Carr feels most comfortable delivering the football. Jason Witten retired. Nelson Aguilar is gone. I mean, last year, Darren Waller had 145 targets and 107 catches. And I mean, with, with these guys that have left, like, you know, I mean, he, he can absolutely get back there, if not improve upon the, the, that vault, that insane volume that I I think there's a gap between Darren Waller and George Kittle. And I think it's fairly significant. Mm -hmm. We'll get to George Kittle here in a a second because his ADP has dropped out of the second round. We'll get to him at the very end. Controversial running back is the rookie Najee Harris. I've seen people really high on him. I've seen people really low on him. His ADP right now is 21st overall. You have him 22nd. I have him 20th obviously the big knock on Najee Harris is offensive line play but plenty of running backs have succeeded with bad offensive lines I mean Christian McCaffrey hasn't had a great offensive line Dalvin Cook hasn't had a great offensive line James Robinson David Montgomery last year Antonio Gibson Eckler um, I think what we're going to have as Big Ben's arm deteriorates is a lot plenty of check downs and Najee is playing all three downs for sure and then we're going to have a team that can threaten at least with their receiving core and so Najee Harris is going to touch the ball over 300 times. And I hate to bet on quote unquote empty volume, but it's so hard to see him not touching the ball 18, 19, 20 times a game. So to get him at 21st overall, I am totally, totally fine with it. Based on your ranking, it seems like you are as well. I assume you understand that the the concern, I guess the only concern people really have is offensive line play, right? 
Yeah, and you know, this draft pick, I think it was number 24 overall at which the Steelers took Najee Harris. It was like mandated <laughs> by ownership. Yeah. And ownership is really tight with um or the the beat writers that cover the Steelers. They're like they're like, you know, they're like on the same page. Mm-hmm. And the beat writers were uh, were reporting that the Steelers were going to take him at number 24 overall. They did. And you know, I think that what the Steelers envision from Najee Harris is a role that mirrors Le'Veon Bell's from 2013 to 2017. Le'Veon averaged 24.9 touches per game during that period. That That is insane volume. Uh, Najee Harris is built to be a, a bell cow at six foot two, 230. He's very experienced in the receiving game, especially for a big back coming out of Alabama. He caught 80 passes over his final two college seasons. So, you know, we, we can be concerned about the offensive line all we want, but this guy ha- has a chance to get massive usage. And, you know, we, we've been doing this a really long time, you know, 15 years. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, if a guy has a chance to get like 350 touches, you kind of you ignore, you know, these little nitpicks about the offensive mm-hmm. line and things like that. You, you bet on the usage and Najee Harris is going to be getting that usage. I mean, Mike Tomlin for a very long time preferred, I mean, one of the only coaches in the league over the last five years, really, who prefers to use one running back as much as possible. And so that's the way it's lining up right now with their depth chart. They're going to absolutely feed Najee Harris. I might even move him up in my rankings after we've talked about this. Like, I like Najee for sure. I definitely like Najee over CEH. CEH is going 22nd overall. You have him 24th. I have him 21st, but I'm, I'm like waffling a little bit when it gets to me on CEH because I've seen signs that the Chiefs aren't fully committed to him and I know he was a rookie I know it was a COVID year but they used other guys who really couldn't play way too much for my liking last year ahead of CEH but if they do commit to him I mean my god wheel routes and the way he can be in the past game with Patrick Mahomes if they do commit to him obvious first round ceiling where are you at with CEH I don't think we've really talked about this one too much yeah, I think he's mainly a bet on the Chiefs offense, which, you know, happens to be a pretty good bet. But, um, you know, last year he really fell well short of fantasy expectations. He was like, by the end of draft season, he was like a consensus top 10 pick. Yeah. Um, and then he dealt with a high ankle sprain, a hip injury uh, in the Super Bowl. He was outsnapped by Darrell Williams, 55% to 45%. Um and Clyde Edwards Hilaire does have real physical limitations. He's small. He's 5'7, 207. He's not fast. He ran 4.60 coming out. But, you know, I think that just betting on the offense is really what you're getting at here with CEH. And, and I think that, you know, even with Darrell Williams coming back, his, his competition for touches is, is pretty minimal in Kansas City. And I think in year one with, you know, the, 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 the lack of practice time and all that had an impact on how much he was used in the passing game because he set receiving records at LSU for a running back. He comes in there. They were not using him on, you know, very many wheel routes. They were not throwing screen. They were throwing more screen passes to Travis Kelsey than they were to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think we, we should bank on seeing a little bit more of that in year two. Um, they did sign Jerick McKinnon uh, yep. in the offseason. And so we'll see what happens to Jerick McKinnon. You know, he's struggled to stay healthy. But I think that um, most likely McKinnon's going to make the team, I think. 
and that would have an impact if he plays obviously on ceh yeah. so yeah i mean not even a question for me that i prefer Najee over ceh obviously you know fading chiefs is very very scary though 23rd overall is aj brown and his adp has obviously gone down a lot since the julio move i think it's gone down too far you have aj brown 17th i actually have aj brown 15th i think way too much overcorrection after the julio thing yes his target share projection goes down slightly but the titans are going to throw the ball more now that they have julio i think they'll have more confidence to throw the ball more obviously julio will attract some attention free up aj brown at least to some degree so i want to bet on aj brown total freak talent i also want to bet on ryan Tannehill. i think ryan Tannehill is one of the most underrated fantasy plays right now at the quarterback position but yeah i still like aj brown more than the market does the julio thing does not bother me as much as it did the market, I assume you agree as you have mm-hmm. him 17th overall. Yeah, since AJ Brown entered the league two years ago, he's top five in yards per catch, yards per target, and receiving touchdowns among NFL wideouts. Um, I think that the Titans might throw 100 more times or 150 more times than they did last year. They're going to be really bad on defense uh, and they're, they're changing coordinators. And I'm not sure they're going to be quite as committed. To the run game this season. Um, uh, AJ Brown reminds me of Terrell Owens, you know, a ball dominant alpha Julio Jones playing 17 games seems very unlikely. I think if they got 10 or 12 out of him, that'd be really good. Uh, but AJ Brown, absolute insane talent. And I, I'm surprised that his ADP is actually dipped almost to the, you know, almost into the third round at this point. Yep, and he's real close to the last guy we're going to talk about who has a second-round ADP, and that's Justin Jefferson. I mean, you have Justin Jefferson 19th. I have him 22nd. ADP is 24th. What Justin Jefferson did as a rookie, I don't think people understand how rare it is for a rookie wide receiver to come in and do that. Just an absolutely outrageous season for Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen is now a year older. I still like Adam Thielen, but Adam Thielen is a year older. Justin Jefferson has a year under his belt the offensive line I think will be better this year and I think there's reason to think Justin Jefferson is just like a total freak outlier and so I want to be a little bit above market at least on Justin Jefferson but still for me behind AJ Brown you're you have it pretty similar where you have him behind AJ Brown as well one of the great things about Justin Jefferson who I I compared to Michael Thomas coming out of LSU is that he can win inside and out Um, He was a slot receiver his final season at LSU, a a dominant slot receiver. But in uh, as a rookie, he was a he he was a big play wide receiver. Only DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill and Calvin Ridley accumulated more yards on 20 plus yard downfield passes than than did uh, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson wasn't even a starter to begin the year. He was behind B.C. Johnson Mm -hmm. on the depth chart throughout training camp uh, in weeks one and two. They unleashed him in week three. He went on to break Randy Moss's NFL rookie record for receiving yards, finished number two among NFL receivers behind only Devontae Adams in yards per route run. So, I mean, just the trajectory right right here looks really, really hot for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, certainly no problem there. And I end up, I do, uh, when I get early picks, I end up a lot. I've had a lot of drafts start McCaffrey or Dalvin. And then Waller and Jefferson at the 2-3 turn. And I feel really good about that, especially in best ball. Last thing I want to mention here is George Kittle. You notice that George Kittle's ADP has fallen out of the second round. George Kittle has a 25 ADP right now. I'm a little higher on just on George Kittle than you are. I have him 24th. You have him 29th. I agree that his target share will be lower than Darren 
Wallers, and I think that the 49ers are going to run the ball close to 500 times this year. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a great season. I prefer Brandon Ayuk to Debo Samuel for sure, but I think I like both those guys as well. Still, this team's going to score a lot of points. They have absolutely incredible game environments and matchups. Not only do they play the NFC West, obviously, but they get Detroit and Philly to start. They play Jacksonville, Cincy, and Atlanta. I mean, in weeks 14 to 17, they play Cincy, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. So in these formats, which most people's formats are, whether you're playing best ball or season long, you are going to want to have 49ers in your lineup in the fantasy playoff time. I've given George Kittle a slight boost to that. I don't normally do this for the schedule, but this 49er schedule is so outlier soft and so outlier soft specifically in week 14 to 17, where we're trying to win all the money. So I want to bet on George Kittle talent and the schedule is a cherry on top. So I do have George Kittle as a second round pick, 24th overall for me, one spot behind Darren Waller, you have him 29th though. Yeah, George Kittle was essentially hurt for almost the entirety of last season. In week one, he had an MCL sprain. Week eight, he broke a bone in his foot. He still led all NFL tight ends in yards per route run. Um, He matched his previous career high in yards per target. And um, I mean, he's just such an efficient player. I think pound for pound, he might be a top five just NFL player across the entire league. The issue is that he is such a big part of the 49ers running game. He's a Mm -hmm. badass blocker. And once Trey Lance gets in there, you know, I think that this is a team that, you know, could might only have to throw the ball, you know, 22 times a game to, to get done what they want to get done. And so that creates a volume concern, especially with a healthy Debo Samuel, a healthy Brandon Ayuk, um, And so that's the issue that I see with George Kittle. I hate betting against George Kittle, but Mm -hmm. I am below ADP on him. Okay, totally fair. That's going to do it for this round two player by player breakdown. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back on Friday with Matt Harmon to do some deep dives on wide receiver outlooks this year. In the meantime, Evan's going to be updating his top 150. Be sure to head to the site. To check that out, it's part of our draft kit, which once again is just $34.99. For producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.